Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Say this, Lord, speak to me. Let me hear what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. I cast out all distractions. Let my heart be open. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 18, are we there? I'm going to share this word with you briefly, and it's, it's an amazing word. It's a word in which... Years back in 2012 and 2011, for a whole year, I spent a whole year talking through the books of Acts and teaching through the book of Acts. And on one weekend, I just stayed on Acts 18 in a few verses, and, and I spoke about Paul's exit missionary journey from Athens entering Corinth. And um, as we're doing our series, I Am 10, I believe that, that God is going to speak this word even today in a perfect time and season for someone in this place. Amen? I was blessed by listening to our brother Marlo last week as he spoke about expectations and, and what that really looks like biblically. How many of you were blessed by last weekend's message? Amen? <clears throat> I was. I was. Praise God. And I hope that you're blessed by today's. If you're, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And I'm going to ask you to write down a blank or a line, just like fill in the blanks. And I want you to do this. I want you to write down in quotation marks if you want. Write, I, I'm talking about you, yourself right there. I, and then put blank. Uh, put I blank or I fill in the blank. And then put a prisoner of Christ. I blank, a prisoner of Christ. So, so here we have a long name. That's probably my full name right there, Rigoetto, a prisoner of Christ. And um, we're going to get into this today, and I want to go right into it, as I believe the Lord is speaking already to us, and, and I believe you're going to be blessed. As we get into Acts chapter 18, it's a special moment, uh, and it's a special wordage that we read in Acts 18. And Paul, at this time, is leaving Athens. Something special happened in Acts 17, in which... Paul was at a place called Mars Hill, and he was teaching among the philosophers and the knowledgeable individuals of the time, and he was saying to them, hey, I've walked around this place, and I've seen that you set up temples all around, meeting places, maybe equivalent today to churches, and I've seen that on some of these temples, you've wrote to the unknown God. You've erected these temples to an unknown God. And he found that strange, obviously, knowing who the one true God was. And he says, so I stand here today among scholars to tell you I know who your unknown God is. And on that day, he declares Jesus Christ as the known God to all humanity. Amen? And that's where we find ourselves now. We find ourselves exiting that missionary journey into a new place now, which is a brief stop in, or some time in Corinth into a brief stop in Ephesus. And then he returns to a place called Antioch. 
So let's go ahead and read with me Acts chapter 18. We'll start off in verse 1. I'm just going to read 1 through 5, but I want to sit on 5 for a moment. So here we go. It says, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and he went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila born in Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. So there was heavy persecution at this time, during Paul's time. And it says here that, so because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and he worked for, by occupation, they were tent makers. And he, he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and he persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Well, what that verse is basically telling us is, he basically went to the synagogue and he reasoned. Basically, he taught in the synagogue. He was preaching each day at the synagogue. And what he was doing was, he was preaching just like I am or teaching like I am in front of this crowd. And he's speaking before a crowd to certain individuals. And they are both Jews and Greeks. So it's not just the Jewish culture. It's not just Judaism, but it's also the Greek culture. And we know that in the Greek culture, there are not just one God, but many gods. So we know who his audience is here. We can see what Paul is being confronted with. And he's going to the synagogue every Sabbath and he's persuading them. I love that his teaching is not just, is not just educating them, but it's persuading them. You know, we got to get to a place um, under the word of God where we're just not being taught knowledge of what the word of God says, but we're being persuaded in what is calling us to believe and feel and know and walk in. You see, our understanding also needs to call us to live out persuaded. If we're not living out persuaded, do you really understand the knowledge that was given to you through the teaching of the word of God? We all got to get to a place where the Holy Spirit sits on you and moves in you and now persuades you to live a life different than the life that you are currently living from that moment to the time past. How many of you could say amen? The Holy Spirit just not educating you, that's fine, I'm not against that, but also persuading you and pushing you forward now to live a life of righteousness, to live a life of difference. And that's where we find ourselves there in that verse. But look at verse 5 with me, that's the verse, that's the foundation, that is the framework of everything and anything that I'm going to say today. Verse 5 says this, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul was compelled. Can everyone just, on your notes or... Yeah, on your notes. Can you just write this in bold letters or scratch it in and underline it or circle it if you may? But he was compelled. Everyone say compelled. Paul was compelled by the Spirit and he testified to the Jews. And look what he was testifying, being compelled. That Jesus is the Christ. Great message to preach. But we see here that Paul is compelled. And I asked you to write it, underline it circle it, write it in your notes, because verse 5 compelled is pretty much what I want to preach and I want to encourage you and, and call you out on today on being compelled. And not just by anything or from anyone, but by something specific. Paul was not compelled by the knowledge and the philosophy of men, and Paul was not compelled by the temples in, Cor- um, temples in Rome and, and, and in Mars Hill. There was one thing for certain that we see in Acts chapter 18, verse 5. There was one thing that Paul was compelled in, by, through, and from. He was compelled in the good. You caught it. He was compelled in the spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. We, we live in a culture where we could be compelled by many things. 
An artist starts to wear a certain fashion clothes. We're compelled by it. So we start dressing like them. There, a group of friends uh, use a certain wordage with their phrase and how they talk. And we begin to speak like that certain friend or friends or group around us. We begin to look like the culture around us. Speak like the culture around us. What your mama cooked when you grew up. Now you have your own house and your own kitchen. And you find yourself cooking the same old greasy food that mama cooked for you. And, and we could be compelled compelled by so many things and by so many people but you see Paul was at a place of his life where he no longer was compelled by pharisaical leaders and he was no longer compelled by the powers in Jerusalem and he was no longer compelled by the religion of Judaism there was one thing leading Paul forward and it was that he was compelled in the spirit That's what it's all about. Because, you see, what we forget and we tend to forget was, it was Paul was a very religious man. Paul was a very religious man. I mean, I mean, Paul was, I mean, when he writes his letters, he, at one point he writes his resume. And when you read it, you're like, man, he was not a man to mess with. Paul was something to take serious. Paul actually grew up and learned from one of the mightiest, mightiest men in Jerusalem. And he was now being prompted up and, and nature to become to be compelled by what others thought and saw in him. And he was so much that, that he became a murderer. He was compelled so much by man that he, he, he had the power to go up to leaders and say, write me a letter that I'm able to go to different towns and villages and I'm able to persecute and kill those that call themselves Christians. He was compelled by the voice of others. Paul was a religious man and in his religion, it didn't cause him any good. Religion caused him more harm than it did good. Just like some of us in this room, we could be so religious that we miss out actually what the Spirit actually wants to take us to and move us in and speak to us. We can't be compelled by the things around us and the people surrounding us. There is one thing that the Lord is saying. Are you compelled in the... Man, do you... Compelled in the spirit. Because I know what it is to walk around and someone to look at me and say, you're this. And I start believing what they say about me. I mean, just recently, I haven't even confessed it and I'm not going to. But something was said and I started to believe it. And, and, and I said, and who in the world gives that person authority over me? I'm not compelled by what man says. I'm compelled by what the spirit of the Lord is doing and saying in my life. Come on, I, 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 Rigo, a prisoner of Christ. But, but let's get into this. He was compelled. Hopefully you wrote it down already. The word compelled, it can mean pressed. It can mean occupied, hold together, to constrain, to, I love this one. The word compelled, it means to arrest. My favorite definition, when you look it up in the Greek and, and you start studying it, the word compelled, it means this. Don't miss this. It means to overpower. To overpower. I shared something. If you were here, man, something happened beautiful in the morning, morning service. This is the second service, actually. But in the morning service at 930, if you missed it, we have a service at 930. 
if you guys missed it. So it was powerful. I mean, someone even got proposed to without even knowing. I mean, weird things happened in our first service. But in that, in 930, while we were praying and seeking the Lord, I was sharing with them something special that happened. And, 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 And as the Lord was speaking this to me, I said, you know what's crazy about Paul? That him being compelled in the spirit had nothing to do with him still walking in his weakness. That as he walked in his weakness, that still didn't stop him from being compelled in the spirit. Because he complains to the Lord three times to take away this stuff that I'm struggling with three times away from me. Please, Lord. And the Lord three times says, no, I'm not. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And what's beautiful about Paul's life, and you should relate to it like I do as well, and it's this. It's that even in the midst of his weakness, his weakness is not is not what defined him going forward. That in his weakness, he was still defined by the compelling work of the Holy Spirit in his life. Yes, I am Paul, a prisoner of Christ who has many weaknesses. And by the way, I've asked the Lord three times to take it away from me. And three times he said no because my grace is sufficient for me. But yet in the midst of me in my weaknesses, I'm still walking a life that is compelled by the work of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That in my weaknesses, the Holy Spirit has also overpowered me. So I might live in a moment of weakness, but the moment of weakness cannot overpower me if I'm giving access and opportunity for the work of the Holy Spirit to overwhelm me and overpower me in the midst of weakness. There's a difference between someone experiencing weakness and drawing to Christ and being compelled, pushed forward in the midst of weakness then the one who is in the weakness and the work of the Holy Spirit is not compelling them and overpowering them in it. And, and, and here is Paul, and he's repeating this in verse 5, and we see that he's a man who is compelled. And what a testimony, and what a life. He serves as a great example who, who's been set free. And I might say something today, that just because you come to Christ, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're now free. And that might disturb you, because you're like, what do you mean? We're just saying freedom. But right, you see, because what I want to teach you today, and it's going to be briefly, is that, yeah, there is a bondage in this world. But when we come to Christ and he sets us free and we are now overwhelmed and overpowered by his spirit, we no longer now are are prisoners of this world and prisoners of darkness and prisoners of sin. But those chains are released from us and new chains are put on us. And now we become prisoners of Christ and prisoners of righteousness and, and prisoners of him when we were once prisoners of this dark world. So at the end of the day, the question is not, are you set free from all things? My question is, are you locked down by one thing? Like, are you enchained by one thing, which is the Spirit of God? That's it. Compelled. It's a freedom. The freedom... And we see Paul who's been set free from sin, from murder, from persecution, from false religion, from his upbringing as a Pharisee, free from all of his knowledge, free from the position as an enemy of God. And now he receives in his life in Acts 18, we see it, he is now free through Christ. But it's not a necessary freedom of, hey Paul, do whatever you want. It's a freedom now that compels him just like it compels us. 
What that means is it's a freedom that presses him. It's a freedom that arrests him. It's a freedom that occupies his whole entire being. It's a freedom that we see in Acts 18 that, that, that when he walks his walk and goes through these journeys, it now holds his life together. Even while he's saying, I have things going on in my life, but the Lord keeps telling me that there is a grace sufficient for it. But at the end of it all, God's holding all this stuff together. The good, the bad, the ugly, but it's beautiful when I'm being arrested by the Spirit of God. And Paul comes to this growth place in his walk. And when we're set free, we can't go anywhere else but run back to the Lord. Because where else can I go? I've been chained up. I've been locked down. I'm a prisoner of God. I'm a prisoner of Christ. It's a transformation, church. It's a transformation from a prisoner, like I said, darkness to light, Satan to Christ, sin to righteousness. So, so the only way I could urge you and ask you and really bother you this morning is, are you compelled by the Holy Spirit? Are you overpowered by the Holy Spirit? I said this earlier, or are you overpowering the Holy Spirit? Are you overpowering God? You know, that's, that's all over this room, right? We got people that the Holy Spirit is overpowering them. God is just overpowering you, opening up doors. I mean, God is overpowering. But then there's some of us that are just overpowering God. Where is it getting you? Where is it taking you? And that's what I want to push you. No wonder Paul, in many, many letters that he writes, I'll just share two of them with you. This is why Paul starts his letters by saying things like this, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 1. I'm not sure if it's up there, but, but he says things like this. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. He says that in Ephesians 3, 1. In Philemon chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Constantly in his letters, Paul, Paul, who is now living in a freedom in Christ, he's also saying, but I'm a prisoner in Christ Jesus as I write this letter to you. This is why Paul writes to the churches of Galatia a powerful verse. One of my favorite, of many favorites, but this one's awesome. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. What does he say? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. This is Paul's very own writing. And what is Paul saying? It's no longer me living, but it's Jesus Christ living in me. Are you kidding this? He's almost saying like, I don't even have rights over my life. Paul is at a place spiritually where he said this, I surrender all of my rights, all of who I am. It's no longer I who live in rights, but it's the right of God through the Son Jesus in me. I surrendered it. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I once lived according to the flesh and according to the works of man, compelled by the nature around me, but it's no longer me. It's no longer I, for the Spirit of the Lord is in me. I've been crucified, and it's not I. It is Him who lives in me. He's been arrested he's been locked up he has now recognized i paul am actually a prisoner of christ i'm a prisoner of christ and and he gets to this and 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 I, and that's what i want i want this life i live it in jesus the one who loved me who gave himself for me that that i that i 
that it really and truly, that we really and truly get to a place where, yes, I'm going to say this and I love you and I hope you come back. But here it is. You should come to a place with God where you have no more rights. That all rights is his. I have no more rights because I live like that. I have the right. I have the right. I have the right. When I'm mean to my wife one day, well, I have the right to be mean to her because look what she's done to me. And, 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 and that really works in marriage. It's gone great for me doing that. So I have a right to do the same thing to God. I don't have that like them. I don't see this. And this is, we all struggle with that. We've all been there, but I want you to be free from that so that way we can say, we used to all struggle from that. We're not in that thing anymore that we, that we come before God and claim him our rights, but that we come to God and we say, we claim your rights over my life. I've been set free indeed. Though I'm weak, I'm strong. And we're, you, you start confessing things that don't make sense to the natural man. You know what? You know that? Paul started talking crazy stuff when I'm weak, I'm strong. And, and someone says, how does that make sense in the science realm? That, that, that makes no sense that you could be weak and yet strong. And he tried to describe this. In, but, we, but the sons in the spirit understand what he means. The sons of this earth don't understand it. The ones who are workers of darkness don't get it. But when you say something like, when I'm weak, then I am strong, you're making a declaration of, of, of I'm weak, but I am strong because something has overcome me that is greater than my weakness so 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 Paul understands that and recognizes that even in my own weakness I've asked three times to take it away from me and I think I have some say in that and yet in that I have no right God says three times my grace is sufficient for me keep walking and going forward I'm gonna show you the revelation of whatever it is that ails you but will you get to a place where the arrestment, where the where the, where, the, where, the, where, the, where you're chained up in prisons and you're and you're overcome by my spirit, and and that's where we're all at. That's where it, that's where I'm at. That, that's where we should be as a church. I think this is a great place to start talking about as we enter our fast. We're gonna start coming up here November 1st. We're gonna open up that door at 7 p.m. Worship's gonna be blazing, and I'm just gonna pace here and I'm gonna make war. I'm going to make war. I'm going to make war. I'm going to make war for people in this room that I love. I'm going to make war for family members that are lost that I love. I'm going to make war for my very own self. And, and I'm just going to make war in, in the praises that were erupting me in God because the, the Bible says that in the praises of his people, he inhabits among them. So we want more of God. You know, you know, man, I feel like I'm going to derail for a second, but who cares? Do you know that the manifestation of more of God is found in the manifestation of your praises being lifted up to God? The more you praise, the more he inhabits. You ever been to a Sunday service like, ah, God really wasn't there. And you start to diagnose it. Well, because the praises of the people weren't really there. But you start to get, I don't know, how many are we here today? A hundred and something? A hundred and something of us just begin to erupt in praise. I mean, Bam, we are in the presence of God. How did that happen? He inhabits in the praises of his children. 
So you know what you do? You start to walk home. You go home, right? You go home and you don't just have church on this building, in this building. Now you go home, right? And what happens is you begin to erupt praises in your living room. You begin to, man, I'm preaching a different message today, but it's okay. But, but you begin to erupt praises in your living room and in your kitchen and in your car. You begin, your son misbehaves and he, and he, he got a little sticker and it's supposed to be on green the whole time, but it moves from black and then it moves. Yeah, I have a, I have a kindergartner. And it, and it ends up going all the way to red and red is the worst color. So I could discipline him and, and beat him and hit him and scream at him. But you know what's better? If I lift up some praises maybe before him, then God will lift down some presence upon him. You see, you see, it's all about our perspective. And, and if we want better, then, then let there be a deeper cry from your spirit. He inhabits in the praises of his people. I want my spouse to change. Start playing worship music and stop watching that show you watch with them because that's not going to edify any fruit. But if you put some worship, that person, that wife or you might start praying for you. Some of you didn't like that one because didn't, but, but that's the truth. That's the reality. I need things to get better at home. How's your praises doing? It's absent. How? Let's keep going because I have, I'm almost done, but I have some stuff I need to say. But I hope you guys get on that. Maybe that will become a message later, but I have no other purpose, guys. You have no other purpose. Maybe write this on your notes. I have no other purpose in my life but to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Anyone with me? How many of you are excited for November 1st to fast and be hungry and seek the Lord? More glory, more glory. So I start looking at this and I say, well, why haven't some been set free yet? Some can't seem to break through. Some continue to struggle. Some continue to, in the same old habits, some continue to be defeated. And we could come and we could quote scripture. Well, it's because we're flesh. It's because we're weak. It's because we're human. We're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. And we know all the, we know all the scriptures that justify our sin and justify our weakness. But when are we going to stop justifying ourselves with his word and, and finally admit and come to grip with the real problem of where I'm at spiritually with God? Maybe my real problem is because I haven't really gotten to a place where I've allowed the Holy Spirit to compel, to compel, to overcome me. I'm praying for my marriage. I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for my job. I'm praying for my family. And maybe the answer to all those things is not necessarily anything else but one thing. I have been compelled. The Holy Spirit now overpowers that area of my life. And there is the answer to all those things that we continue to wrestle with. When the compelling work of the Holy Spirit, have you been pressed by him? Have you been occupied by the Spirit, in the Spirit? Have you been constrained? Has he, has he got into a place where he holds you together? Are you a prisoner of Christ? A prisoner of the Holy Spirit? If your answer is no today, get with it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, get with it. What do I do? What do I do? Put on chains today. Put on the chains today. Put on the chains of Christ. Become a prisoner of Christ. Be compelled in the spirit. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who now lives in me, gave himself for me. How many of you could say amen? amen. So as I get ready to close, in 1 Peter 2.16, look what, look what Peter says. He says, live, live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. If I really want to cause some damage in your mind right now, I could really mess you up and disturb you by telling you that that word servant actually means slave. 
And God has called you to nothing else but slavery. You thought you were supposed to live a life of freedom and continue to sin so that grace may abound. But God has actually called you to live a life of slavery. Maybe the church needs to preach more slavery and not run away from more slavery. Lord, put the chains back on me because nothing good comes out of me when I'm a wild man. And I'm just keeping it clean by saying wild man. When I'm a wild man, there's nothing good in me. Sin erupts, flesh comes out, lust comes out. I mean, some stinky, nasty stuff erupts in me when when, when I'm a wild man. But if I could just be imprisoned and chained by you and recognize what it means to be compelled by the Spirit, held down by the Spirit, I will recognize that I can live as a person who is free, but not using my freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as a slavery unto God. Did that strike home yet? Servants of God, slaves, free that we may be slaves, prisoners. Compelled, overpowered. Are you overpowered? I'm going to fly through this because I'm going to end it. In verse 6 it says, in verse 6 it says this. It says, but when when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and he said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. Verse 6, Acts 18, I am clean. From now on, I'm just going to go to the Gentiles. What what a powerful passage. Can I read something to you? (laughs) I want you to see this. Ezekiel chapter 33. I'm going to read this and and maybe it will come up on the screen. If not, just follow with me. Look at the Old Testament. Look at what the Lord says in Ezekiel 33. Here we go. Again, the word of the Lord came to me and he said, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, When I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He didn't take the warning. Maybe some of us are being warned today, but then your blood is on your own head. But no, that's not scary. Here you go. Here you go. It's good. It ends good. All this stuff ends good. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but he did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his sin and his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. I'm a, I've been called to be a watchman. That's my calling. And there's no way I'm not going to blow the trumpet to you. Because I'm not going to carry your blood before God's throne. Lord, I told them to be slaves. Lord, I told them to put on chains. Lord, I told them to open up their hearts and be compelled to the Spirit. I'm not taking your blood before the throne of God. I got to deal with my own life. So when I come up here, I don't want to necessarily just make you feel good. I want to transform you to know what is good. And the Bible says anything and all that is good comes from the Lord. Feeling good is not the answer. Feeling good is not the answer. There's many places you can go to feel good. But I'm going to take you to a place right now where you know good. And sometimes knowing good, it doesn't necessarily feel good all the time. Because you have no more rights. Because now you're a slave to something different. Not to a world around you. Wow, but to a world within you. God, where do I go with this? 
verses 9, 10, and 11 says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul. Remember what he said. Remember what's going on here. It says here, he departed, verse 7, from there, and he entered the house of a certain man and one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. And, and the ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. God was moving, moving, moving through Paul because he was compelled by the Spirit. But look at verse 9. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. And he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Come on. I believe God is raising that up in you. Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you. For, for have many people in this city. I, have, I, I run this city. I, I run this town. You see, what you don't understand is there's evil here, but I got angels standing all around this place. I got people in this city. Don't be scared and, and don't fear and, and don't worry. And, and verses 9, 10, and 11, it says, and he continued. The Lord spoke to him. He's about to leave because he's getting scared. And in verse 11, it says, Paul says, after he received that vision, it says, and he stayed there. And he stayed there, it says, there for a year and six months teaching the word of God. You come and bring me out because I got a word from the Lord that says stay put and don't fear. I'm going to fight for you. I know people in this town. That's a so Paul gets that revelation in his dream and he remains there for 18 months and, and, I, and, I, and I get what God is telling me and us today that when we are prisoners of Christ, when we are overpowered by the Lord and, and we face like Paul struggles and opposition and darkness, he fights for us. He fights for us and he tells us what verse 9 and 10 says. I, if we don't be afraid, speak. Don't keep silent. I'm with you. No one's going to attack you or hurt you. I have many people around this place. Yesterday something special happened to me. I got woken up. And I was presented at 1 in the morning. Me and my wife, we woke up, a phone call, I had to run outside. And I was presented with something very interesting. I was presented in front of my house uh, with the spiritual realm. You, none of you could stand here and say, you believe in that stuff. That stuff's not true. No, I saw the manifestation yesterday. And a little bit of me, when I saw this young man, I said, I could do two things. Take him to the hospital, they're going to call him a... a a nut job and they're going to take them to a psych ward and give them medicine and drug them up. But I went in the morning in the middle of my sidewalk. I said, or oh, I could pray for him and believe that Jesus Christ wants whatever is attacking him to be out of here. It was so awesome to experience that and that's how I knew, God, you're going to speak to someone tomorrow because since when does a demon show up in front of my house at 1 o'clock in the morning before church? It was awesome. I'm going back to his house today and we're going to have church at his house after his sister is done with her little basketball game. I'm going over there. Uh, pray with me tonight, that today, that the whole household will know Jesus because a young man showed up with a demon at one in the morning. The whole household is going to get saved today. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. I want to walk in not with fear, but with fear of the Lord. I want to be overpowered by something greater. I'm going to walk into a place where they say they sense it, they feel it, they see it, they it touches them in their house. I'm going to walk right in and say, where are you? And what's your name? 
because this young man showed up at one in the morning to my house and I'm going to call you out of here by name. They don't know Jesus yet, but by the time I leave this living room, they're going to know Jesus. I ask you to please get out of here so that every heart in this place can know Christ. I'm believing that today and I hope that on your way home to your barbecues and your dinners and your parties today that you remember and say, Lord, bring revival to that household over there. I want to be overpowered by something greater, greater than my emotions, greater than my own will, greater than the fears of this world. I want to be a prisoner of Christ. And, and maybe so many of us, so many of us need to just rewire ourselves, change the pattern of thinking, the pattern of bad habits. May, many also need to recognize that when things come to bury, oh man, I feel this. When things come to bury you, bury you, put you down on the ground, find joy in those testings. Find joy in the moments when things want to bury you. Can I give you a revelation? Because what they, those testings don't understand, oh man, is that what they're really burying is a seed. And any seed that is buried is going to bring forth growth. You might want to bury me, testings, but what you don't understand, burying me brings forth something greater. So now you buried a seed thinking that you were killing me and putting me under. Do you remember Jesus? He was buried like a seed. And one day what happened? That seed grew out of the grave. And now what happened? There was a manifestation upon the whole entire earth. And today we're still proclaiming the name of Jesus. The number one mistake that Satan made was burying Jesus. Because that was the seed that was going to be put in the ground that was going to come out and produce much more fruit. So when you're buried in the ground, you look at that testing and say, come and bury me because what you don't understand in the moment of being buried something good's going to come out of it and then you're not going to be able to stop that the worst thing that you can do is attack me to bury me because the greatest thing that God's going to do that is grow me and overcome you <laughs> bury me man they're burying seeds and a seed produces great things and so my question is are you a dead seed or is your seed filled with life into enter enter into a place where you are now a prisoner of Christ in which you are arrested by his power arrested in his power holds you together the Holy Spirit presses you forward to a life of more 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 what does a life of more look like well come November 1st and we're going to be destroyed by what more looks like more of God and bolder rather than living life comfortable and cowardly are you tired of living cowardly and comfortable but you want to live bold and uncomfortable? Come on, prisoners. You're bound by a new set of rules. You're chained to a new way of thinking. You're, you're arrested now under a new order of doing things. Under these chains. Under the chains of Christ. I wrote this down. There's a, there's a greater anointing. There's a greater revelation. Man, I missed you guys last week. But I wonder if God misses some of you today. There's a greater. As a prisoner of Christ, there's an intimacy found and cultivated that regenerates my soul, my mind, and my strength. It's time to rewrite your story, rewrite my story, rewrite this story, and say, I... I regal a prisoner of Christ. How many of you could say that and put your name in the blank? I, I, I'll quote you all the way into it till you get the revelation, man. I, I'll spoon feed you like I do with my daughter. You're going to eat today whether you like it or not. I, yeah, here's some of your names. I, I, prisoner of Christ. 
time to have no rights, no claims, no longer I, but Christ. No more rights. Come on, if it's time for you to have no more rights and no claims, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Only if you're willing to, to say, I have no more rights, no more claims. No longer I, but Christ. I'm a prisoner. I want to be compelled, pressed. I want to be occupied. You know, when we do this, when we do this, that's a sign of freeze. Put your hands up. Freeze. Put your hands up. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. What do you have in your hands? Nothing. I surrender. I surrender. I freeze. I keep my hands up. I'm a prisoner of Christ. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I encourage you. I push you forward. I beseech you to what? To what? To walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. You were called to such a calling. A calling of prisoner, a calling of slavery, a calling, a calling of no more rights, but his rights, his claim over your life. Stop the pity party, stop the complaining, stop the mirror thing, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's stop all those things and look at the word of the mirror that brings refreshment to you and conviction to you and recognize once and for all from this day forward Lord no more claims no more rights I am a slavery unto you I've been pressed to such a life I've been moved and arrested under such an anointing under such a calling to walk worthy as a prisoner of Jesus Jesus Christ how many of you could say amen the Lord in my prayer this week brought this verse and I'm done with the message but he brought this verse to me so I made sure I, I kept it for today because I don't know if this is one of you but David as he's contemplating his own life from the midst of persecutors He's talking to the Lord, right? Like, attend my cry, Lord. Lord, I, he's crying out. But in Psalm 142.7, he says something powerful that the Lord showed me this week. And he says, bring my soul out of prison. That kind of prison. I want to be in a new prison. Take my soul out of that prison. That I may praise your name. That the righteous shall surround me. For you shall deal bountifully with me. But take me out of prison. I, I need to take off the chains of that prison. And I need to be enchained as a prisoner of Christ. I want to be very respectful to many of you who have plans. and But I also want to be respectful of God's plan in your life today too. So if you're willing for the Lord to really move in your heart and you know God is now calling you to live a life as a prisoner as a slave and today you want to make that confession don't even hesitate I'm going to open up the front and I'm going to say come up here and let's believe and let's pray together wherever you're at in life let's believe and let's pray together that we would confess that today and declare that that you would be overpowered now by the Spirit, overpowered in the Spirit, that you'd be fully compelled in the Spirit. So if this word and, and God has struck you with that, as Tito begins to worship Him and, and we begin to sing praises, and you don't mind just 
sitting around a little bit longer in the presence of God, I'm going to invite you then to come forward. Let us pray with you and believe for the compelling work of the Holy Spirit over your life. So go ahead, church. Start opening up your hearts. If that's you, come on. Lord, speak to your beloved today, oh God. Lord, speak to your son today. Lord, speak to your daughter today. Speak to the one that you are compelling today. To the one that you're overpowering today. You know who they are. Let them be bold and let them not hold back. Lord, just erupt in them, Lord God, a a freedom that leads them to proper slavery. A freedom that leads them to the proper chains. Holy Spirit, compel them today. Compel them today. As we worship the Lord and and that's you, we want to pray for you. Come up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.